Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's uh, August 25th, Thursday. Uh, I'm the host, Jack Riggins. This is Drive Time Lincoln. Johnny Cadillac's producing the show. Um, it's 89, Lincoln, sunny, but it feels like 92. Johnny, I'm going to question that every day we have the show. I'm going to question the 89, but feels like. I, I was just waiting. When you said 89, I, I had in my head, I was like, it's 89, but it feels like 89. So you already threw me off guard by well, saying it I feels mean, like I 92. Just, I just read what the facts per Weather Channel are right, yeah. right in front of me at this time. Because, you know, that three degrees makes a difference. No, but I mean, every time we had a pre-mission briefing, the weather guys got up there, and they're very good at what they do in the United States Navy, and everybody booed them off the stage because we knew we were doing the op no matter what. And so we'd always just say, it's 79 and sunny. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> but uh, interesting stuff. Hey, we've got a show that I'm excited about today. Uh, we've got uh, active amateur astronomer Brian Seville in. He's the former president of Prairie Astronomy Club, and he's got a lot more uh, credentials that we're going to go to in a minute. We're also going to have I, Caleb Henry, from the LNK Today Morning Crew, uh, calling, coming on second segment to talk about Break the Curse. They're already out there, folks, at Haymaker. Hey, yeah. hey. <laughs> hey, Market Park, Jack. Thank, thank you, Johnny. Hey, Market Park. Let me say that slowly. I have to work on my enunciation. Hey, the doors are open at 4.30. Uh, the event is starting right now. Uh, it's... KLIN 1400 and 1620, The Zone. And our guys from LNK Today will be on at 7 p.m. But anyway, Caleb will call in at the second segment and uh, give us the down low on that. Also in the studio is Matt Anderson from Branched Oak Observatory. Yes, sir. Uh, Yes, sir. So anyway, Brian, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Thank you. Really appreciate being on the show today. Yeah, so audience knows Matt. Uh, they know I have a fascination with astronomy and the stars. Okay. Uh, some would say I'm also uh, I'm, I'm the, the sole guy that pushes conspiracy theories in Lincoln, which is not true, by the way, but some would say that. But this is actually science, the stars, and our universe. How did you get interested in it? And give us a little bit of your background. Well, let's see. Uh, right now at my age, I'm about 62, and I've been an amateur astronomer since probably 13 years old, maybe younger. I, uh, in my current history, you know, I've been uh, um, uh, president of Prairie Astronomy Club, uh, VP there. I've been on the board at uh, Branch Stoke Observatory. I'm on the board at Hyde Observatory, so it's just one of my passions. I'm also on the board with uh, uh, Nebraska Star Party, which is a whole show and conversation all by itself. Oh. For thirty years, Let's book we've been that go- before you leave. For thirty years, we've been meeting out in the sand hills in one of the darkest places in the in our continent, and uh, having a having a wonderful astronomical experience. But um, uh, my really quick shorted up background is that I've been in love with astronomy since Nebraska dark skies young boy, and I think that's what really got it in me. I remember. One time, about 12 years old, sitting on the roof of my, uh, or laying on the roof of my uncle's cabin, seeing a meteor shower, rather accidentally. I didn't know it was mm-hmm. going to be a meteor shower. And, and I and my, my, uh, uh, associates at the time, my, probably my cousins and a brother or two were just stunned by this. And we were counting meteors like 30 or 40 in a minute. Wow, that's yeah. a pretty good wow. shower. And it also shows how dark the sky was there and then. Mm-hmm. And it was. I've never seen a shower that good since. And it was one of the things that probably imbued me toward the astronomy direction. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I can, right now, as you say that, I used to, I grew up in Fremont, and I would just, 
parents i was a little wild child so they kept me outside as much as they could and uh i can remember many nights down on the grass looking up and i know when i was hooked i saw a satellite now i didn't know what it was right i was like why is something moving that looks like a star up in the sky and eventually you know i found out that oh you know there are times you can see satellites passing overhead and you know as you know the more you get into uh, not uh, light obstructed. The more you're going to see all kinds of not only stars and and different things, but you're going to see some of those low Earth orbiting satellites, yeah. or maybe even the ISS. I think. Well, and that's where Branched Oak comes in because we're far enough out of Lincoln. It's not a long drive, only about twenty or twenty five minutes, depending on where you live. And we've got pretty dark skies out there. We've got a big burn and a and a horizon of trees that kind of keep some of the local lighting out. And we see Milky Way there. I'll bet we count. 50 satellites a night. They're almost pesky for us, (laughs) Uh, especially since uh, a fellow uh, astronomer friend of mine and I built a building there for astrophotography. And, of course, uh, airplanes and satellites kind of mar those images to some degree. But sure. uh, But anyway, it's dark sky out at Branch Stoke, and we have a great time under those dark skies. When uh, my my introduction to Brent and Brian was very early on in the genesis of uh, Branch Stoke Observatory, and uh, they came to one of our early events, and uh, they uh, they asked if we could uh, uh, put a building out there, and we were just thinking, ah, something small. And as it turned out, it has grown, and it, it, it's incredible. Uh, not only do we do uh, astrophotography, but it does astrovideography, uh, just regular viewing, and then we've got solar telescopes, yeah. which is incredible. We recently added a wonderful solar scope that has produced images that, in my 60 years of existence, I've never seen before through a telescope. Really? So, yeah, it's driven me out there on non-volunteer days about 10 in a row just to view the sun. That so this is, is what so you guys were talking about last time you were on the show, where, so. you, where you throw the filters on, yeah. and you can see the different... Uh, I'm going to call it layers, lack that's, of a better term. That's really true, though. But, um, yeah, so cool, right? It is. It is. You know, yeah, the, the sun is amazing. It is. I mean, we, it's something that uh, affects us on a I say affects us. We're, we're engaged with it daily. Oh, well, my God. We we're going to die if it goes away. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> I mean, or, if we get, or if we get too close to it yeah, or we get well, too close right, to us, right. you know, the... Yeah, he's a little more than involved, right? Yeah, yeah. we're, we're pretty integral much in, part yeah. of human a, an existence. An integral part. Yeah, and you talk about that. We, you know, most people are used to looking through the solar glasses, right? Uh, the um, uh, eclipse that we had here back in 2017 uh, w- was great for astronomy in general because it got everybody involved. Uh, and the, but people were looking through, seeing the eclipse, and then uh, uh, being able to see the sun spots, which haven't been very active up until just recently. Yeah, one afternoon we were out there. I've never before counted over 30 sunspots. It, they were in big rafts and groups and shapes, and it really? was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, when you add the the, hydro, uh, the H-alpha scope on there, and you're looking at those different layers, the activity on that has just been phenomenal. All these prominences and stuff, massive, massive ones. Yes, this hydrogen alpha scope is pretty unique. It uh, looks at one very specific wavelength of light, mm-hmm. and that's the primary emission from hydrogen, which the sun is mostly made of. And it really produces amazing contrast of what people would tend to call a flare, but right. a great big flame that's lapping off the sun that the astronomers actually call a prominence. And you can see them not only clearly, but with insane detail with this telescope. Wow. Yeah. When you see anything, whether it's, you know, uh, a remake or somebody's, you know, shot video or any of the shows, and I'm sure you guys are watching it as you're looking through your scope. Um, 
it's so complicated to me to think about the sun that I just think in my own brain of a nuclear reactor slash nuclear bombs constantly going off as in this big star um, and just creating this mass sun heat light that you know makes our universe our, or our solar system our you know solar jack system. that really hits it dead on they like to call the the sun like a molecular grinder because uh-huh. that fusion mm-hmm. isn't allowing any chemistry there's no real chemistry going on in the sun that fusion is tearing atoms to pieces you're getting right. neutrons and protons and parts of atoms flying off the sun so yeah, yeah you pretty much hit it on it's in a continuous atomic explosion yeah That's exactly, exactly right. uh brian go back Obviously, you get hooked at a young age, but then when do you get like your first telescope, I'm guessing, and then start to really dig in and both learn, but refine the craft of becoming, you know, a very active amateur astronomer? Well, I was kind of technically inclined in high school, but honestly, not a very disciplined student. So I didn't do well in math. Welcome to the club. That's right. And and actually couldn't get into UNL engineering. Gotcha. So I had to refocus myself for a few years. But in about 1985, I was already a family guy. My dad had gotten a telescope for the 86, I think, 85 or 86, gotten a telescope for the uh, comet Halley appearance. Okay. It was a bit of a disappointment that year, and I personally was so involved in career as a young man and yeah. family, I paid no attention to Halley's Comet that year, which is like insane. It was the one right. time in my life I ever would. But that's, the, you know, you can miss those things. <laughs> but my dad had bought a small telescope, and then a year or two later said, hey, I take this telescope. So... You know, I had always been interested in astronomy, always really kind of had the bug and was living in Nashville at the time and had kind of uh, started a conversation with some fellow amateur astronomers. And here I got this telescope. So I set up my telescope in the backyard uh, right on the gravel driveway. I got a cat and a dog running around me and it's a hot summer night and Nashville has pea soup for skies. I mean, if you can imagine light pollution gone, right. unchecked forever. <laughs> so there's nothing in the sky. It's literally is gray pink mass except one little dot. So I put the telescope on the dot and I floored myself. It was Saturn. Wow. The very first thing I look at in this little three-inch telescope, the first time I've looked through an optical instrument in probably, you know, 10 or 15 years, yeah. and I nail Saturn, and I was so deeply hooked from that moment forward. That's, I haven't let, that's cool. let go and, since. And isn't that crazy? Because the very first object I saw was Saturn, and Michael was the same thing. So Saturn, obviously, is very endeared, endeared wow. to us. Wow, yeah, and you know what's funny? All the times you've been on the show, Matt, I've never asked you that. What was the, I don't think, the first thing you saw? And, it was Saturn. Uh, I could see you yeah. guys got giddy. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely Saturn, and it was during the wintertime. That's time, cool. And uh, just, you know, I, I froze. You know, I'd, I'd be out there until I couldn't hardly stand it anymore. Come in, warm up a little bit, and go back out for hours Yeah, and watch it. You know what? I, I'm going to sidebar for just a second. Um, the reason is, what, I, I love sci-fi movies, and I think we've talked about that. I think the audience knows that. But, but a lot of times... I I like movies because of either what I think in the visuals are perceived as somewhat accurate, right? Because they have great stunning if it's in, in space visuals. Or the science, like Interstellar, for instance. I'm still studying Interstellar because they had uh, Kip, I can't remember, but they had a great physicist help advise. So all of that. But to you guys who look at this stuff all the time, is there a great visual for people that may, you know, be like, I don't, is that stuff that cool? It is that cool, folks. But like, what would be a good visual that you've seen that's artificial show-wise? Well, I might defer to Matt. I am so 
uninformed on the movie realm. Okay. I don't watch movies or TV hardly at all. I spend my time building and doing things, so I'm not that guy, but you might have one. Well, it, that, that, that's a great question, Jack. Um, I can't really pick one thing out of that right. out, out, of, out of that movie, but I can, I can tell you about what I've seen, I guess, right. so that, that's more real. Yeah. You know, uh, Please. The, the, the astrophotography is just absolutely enthralls me because uh, when we look through a telescope with our with our eyes, um, just because the way our eyes are made, we, we can see some detail, uh, but color and stuff, you know, that you see like on the Internet and pictures and stuff like that don't really come out until you start doing astrophotography. Okay. And this newest generation of scope the EV scopes are just phenomenal uh, in, in just a couple of minutes. Yeah, what they can show up. some of our highest equipment? I would say right now we kind of almost up the game. I think people are going to see interesting sci-fi movies because there's some great ones. Right, are going to see them and be inspired. And you know, you're really right. The more credible the science is in it, the more your mind goes like shooting right. forward. Like, right. well, if we can do this, why couldn't we do ten more things past that? But, well, and I think when Michael was on, we talked about. We talked about Interstellar, and it was it did a great job on event horizons He's of black great holes. In movies, yeah. They're right? very and accurate just, with that. And so, and and you know, getting that visual cue of gravity. Now, make no mistake about it, folks. There's nothing better than the real thing. It's just I think in celluloid movies, what they can do is at least simulate taking us closer, right? right? So it looks bigger. But you know, seeing yeah. the real things. Okay, I gotta say, so I'm James Webb, yep. right? You had your. Uh, whole kind of presentation education on James Webb. One, I want to know how it went. But two, I was studying up on it this week about some of, again, the light, um, I'm going to call it uh, filtration systems and how they're mapping it, much like your uh, H, help me out. Hydrogen alpha. That's right. Hydrogen alpha. And then how they're mapping it already to look at distant planets and to show if there's atmospheres or this, that. And it's all like light waves and different things that we can't see and things we can't see and how they were graphing it all together and going, okay, now here's where the mathematics and science based on light waves and what we know. And it was just so interesting. But how did James Webb go at your place? Well, I think it went fabulous. We had a really great attendance. And um, it was great to be, you know, anointed effectively by the NASA uh, ambassador to the solar system uh, to be able to be a release point. But um, as Michael made presentations, and I'm pretty up on the, uh-huh. the science and the data, I'm learning stuff in the presentation as well. So that's what's a, that's why it's a great environment. You know, Matt says he learns things all the time. I do all the time. Every time Michael opens his mouth and says something about something I know deeply about, right. he teaches me something new about that thing. Yeah. But here's what's crazy, and not to get too giddy about our no, solar get, scope, but it, it relates to James... Uh, web space telescope if you imagine that hydrogen alpha wavelength that we can see we can see it with our eyes and it's almost infrared it's really way down on the red scale so when you look okay. in the scope you see a really deep blood red image of the sun and that's its actual natural alpha uh, hydrogen alpha wavelengths coming through this filter james webb can see hydrogen alpha if something is moving millions of miles away an hour from you so if you imagine a star that's moving away from you at an incredible speed, the light is stretched way out, and not only can't we see it, but now even our scientific instruments can barely detect it at all. So James Webb really takes that super-stretched hydrogen alpha wavelength and is able to shorten it back up so that we can make an image with it. Yeah, it's That's uh, its goal. It's incredible. Yeah. It's well worth uh, spending some time. Um, again, if you go out to Branch Oak Observatory or get with these guys, 
and talk about real instruments that are going to change the world and the perception of the universe um, that have just launched in James Webb. I mean, folks, you should know what Hubble is. And, and, yes. and, and if you don't know what Hubble is, look it up. But I'm telling you, we're well beyond Hubble now. Yep. And it is an exciting time if you want to know about the universe. And really, it will lead back to what we know about our planet. You know, I would, I would challenge anyone to find a single scientific instrument, say a, a microscope or, or a particle accelerator or even CERN, find a single scientific instrument that has been as productive as the Hubble Space Telescope. So many papers, so many yeah. discoveries, so many uh, uh, prizes and physics awards and, and accomplishments. So what an incredible legacy that James Webb tries to step into from Hubble. And what James Webb did in 12 hours, it took the Hubble telescope to do the same thing in 23 days. When they looked at the ultra deep space Hubble field, that field. That, 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 that picture that they took, took 23 days mm -hmm. and the James Webb did the same thing and better in 12 right. hours. It was right. Incredible. Amazing. Hey folks, we're on uh, with uh, Matt Anderson from branch Oak observatory, but more importantly, we're highlighting uh, Brian Seville, an active amateur astronomer has been doing it for about 60 years. Um, and he's the former president of Prairie Astronomy Club. Uh, we're just uh, we're getting giddy on astronomy and the stars and everything that um, is around here in Lincoln and the people uh, that are into it because, uh, heck, it's just a topic that I think I could talk about forever. Uh, maybe not me talk about, more listen. <laughs> and like I said, uh, you can always learn something. So we're having some good times. Hey, don't forget Tunnel to Towers Lincoln, August 27th. Still time to go out and donate. Check them out at Tunnel for Towers Lincoln Facebook and sign up for their event. 1499 3 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're on with uh, NanoAmps, otherwise known as uh, Brian Seville, an active amateur astronomer, former president of the Prairie Astronomy Club, and space janitor, uh, Matt Anderson, along with Riggins <laughs> underscore Jack and uh, Johnny Cadillac. Jay Cadillac Howell. Jay Cadillac Howell. Sorry, and I, Caleb Henry, is going to call in a little bit and give us an update on uh, the Break the Curse down at Haymarket Park. Uh, Matt, what do we got going on? You got some always got some cool things going on, draw, uh, drawings and such. You yep, draw. yep, we sure do. So. Um, Beginning now until midnight on Sunday, uh, anybody who has been in law enforcement or currently serves in law enforcement uh, can register online for a drawing that we're going to do. Uh, we have a pair of Vortex binoculars, 10 by 50, really great binoculars for uh, terrestrial viewing, but also really great for viewing the night sky. And uh, they can do that by going to our Branch Stoke Observatory Facebook page, and they can uh, do a PM there. They can private okay. message us there, or they can email us at info at branchstokeobservatory.com. And uh, we just need their name and uh, contact information. So either an email address or a phone number. And then Monday, we'll do a Facebook Live, and we'll randomly draw a name out of the hat, and that lucky person will win. Roger that. Roger that. And, hey, not to say LPD or anybody in law enforcement, sheriffs, whoever. Yep. I never know what your guys' gear is. But I was in the U.S. military, and I can tell you, every once in a while, you, you have a drawing, and you get something cool, and you're like, well, this is better than my service equipment, so oh. I'm going to put this into use. These we, are good binoculars, <laughs> too. These are really They're good. They're not and, department and we, store stuff. Yeah, and we really right. want to thank our uh, yeah. you know, Security First Bank. Those guys have been just phenomenal with us, so we've been awesome. very pleased with them. Awesome. Well, I know uh, the next star party is September 24th, I uh, believe. That's coming up, yeah, really so, quick. Well, we'll come back. Uh, we'll talk to I, Caleb Henry, uh, maybe even Jack Mitchell's out there. I don't know, but they're getting 
getting busy to break this curse. I got to hear all about it. Um, like I said, Tunnel for Towers, we still got time to sign up, Lincoln. Uh, we'll give an update on that when we come back as well. 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks. Uh, I am Jack Riggins, host of Drive Time Lincoln. Second segment here on August 25th. Uh, we've got uh, active am- amateur astronomer Brian Savillan, former president of the Prairie Astronomy Club, as well as Matt Anderson from Branched Oak Observatory. Um, all their handles, because we got into handles thanks to Johnny Cadillac, are pretty cool. Matt Anderson is a space janitor, and uh, Brian is nano amps. Johnny, we got to up our handle game, I don't know. you think? I mean, why why did you have to bring that up? Now I feel like we're so I know, low like, on the Jay total. Jay Cadillac ball. Howell is so boring in yeah. comparison. Yeah, how about Riggins <laughs> underscore Jack on Twitter? Um, hey, folks, before we get back to those guys and the stars and what's out there and the technology, even right around Lincoln here, um, don't forget, right now, Break the Curse, uh, partnership between 1620 The Zone and KLIN 1400 is going on at Haymarket Park. Uh, what does that mean? It means a good amount of Nebraskans, including our very own Jack Mitchell and I, Caleb Henry, are out there to break the curse and get the Cornhusker football team turned around. Maybe the Cornhusker basketball team, too. I don't know. But um, that's the goal. Um, I know the 1620 The Zone guys are on right now, out 5-6. to six. Um, You've got the alumni band out there, so you're going to get a lot of Hale Varsity and Pro Husker stuff going on. Uh, people are really trying. I, I'm going to be honest. Um, and then our crew is going to be on at 7 p.m. And uh, my guess is those two, Jack Mitchell and Caleb Henry, are going to stay for as long as it takes for them to feel like they've broken the curse. The yep. best thing is Jack Mitchell has an Irish rock that may be what puts it over the top. Any Anything they can do that's legal that's suggested that might break the curse, they're going to do. Yeah. Also, the Killigans are performing from 6 to 7. Ooh, I like that. The Killigans are out there. Okay, so um, you know what I'm going to say? Just win, baby. Just win. Just win. I mean, just win. It's simple. That's all you got to do. Um, wish them the best of luck. Uh, Nebraska is always a fun place in the fall. Um, I guess we go from Killigans back to Brian. God, well, the Killigans, what a great band. Right? My gosh. Because yes. the other thing, Brian, no doubt, because you can't um, seriously live as long as Brian has and, and come up here and say, I've been in astronomy about 60 years. Or well, him and Galileo were really you know, Right, him and Galileo so. is, he's <laughs> also a guitarist. And I'm just looking at him and going, he's not just a guitarist. He loves probably guitar playing as much as astronomy. Yeah, actually, the, it's a duality in my life, and I'm probably always 
always doing one or the other. Yeah. Sincerely. That's I have, pretty cool. I have like a list of 74 songs right now I'm trying to rehearse, both for a friend's band that I may join in and just fill in, but also we've added a, a great new vocalist, Sue, to our band, so I'm... I got a million things to do on guitar right now. Yeah. Well, and and here's the other thing people don't know. Not only are you into astronomy, but your band it will be out at the Star Party, Smoking Toads. That's right. I love it. Um, Smoking Toads. Now I'm a former frogman in the Navy, so anytime there's a toad and you know out there, I'm about it. Um, but uh, you enjoy this band. You guys kind of mix a little band with astronomy, at um, least on this event. I have to admit, my. Uh my primary partner in the band, Randy, is a, a bass player, and he loves the night sky. He can step out in the backyard and point out nearly as many stars as I can, so he's really into it himself. But I think really the smoke and toes just kind of came from uh, we are old guys playing rock and roll, and uh, what movie was it where, I uh, um, can't think of his name, and he uses that term, smoking. <laughs> oh, God, Jim Carrey's character. Jim Carrey, oh, yeah. I remember. Who was there? It's it, the when, mask. When he's in the, the green mask. mask. Yeah, yeah. The mask. The mask. And it's just, that's, you know, and we just thought we wanted to imbue that kind of uh, attitude that we're up there and really flaming hot. Well, I love it. But people infer a different version of smoking or whatever one they want to infer all the time. Yeah, so. sure they do. <laughs> well, I do have to say, my one uh, brush with some guitarists, and it is terrible to anybody that um really my wife is into punk rock huge um so like she's into music and i'm not into music i because i can't hear the beats i'm like it's not a gift i have so i either right. hear something and go oh i like that or it just doesn't touch me but you did make a point it is it's it's something people work at and you have a gift and you love it and you can hear it but what i was going to tell you is i ran into um at a golf charity thing put on by dan whitney who's literally the cable guy yeah. and i just was a last minute fill and he said, hey, you're just going to go with some groups who are good friends of mine, and they just are here to support the charity. And I show up a little bit late, but I got to the tee, and I could clearly tell these were rockers. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. And I went up, as you would, a kid from Nebraska, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? My name's Jack Riggins, and they gave me their two names. I, and you might know them, but I have forgotten their names. But they introduce themselves. They go, hey, yeah, we're Ario. And I go, wow, that's a weird name. Right, Mario so Speedway. Right, right. So, so you probably but, met Gary Reichrath, yes. and uh, I'll think of his name here in a second. Blonde the lead hair guy, singer, I think. The lead, yeah, and the lead singer. Now I shouldn't know the name. Well, I forgot, but. and 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 Dan, Larry the Cable Guy. He may he may slap me for saying this on air, but so I I'm like, these are rockers. Wow, they're golfers too. You know, I know Alice Cooper's a golfer, but I, you know, Ario. And for a second there, like ten seconds, I'm like Ario, Ario, and I'm like, well, rockers have weird names sometimes, Jack. Right. <laughs> Like, Ario, Ario. And then I go, oh, Damn. Ario Speedwagon. I go, "Damn, I like your music." And they're like, "Yeah, man, cool. Let's play golf." So we start playing golf That's and great. you know, they're down in LA area and we found out we both like motorcycles all of us and we we're talking about motorcycles and I got taught a great lesson that day. He said, "Jack, you got one life to live." He goes, "Spend the money on the protective equipment." Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and he was right. And I I took that to heart because he had had an accident a little bit, but uh, it was a highlight of meeting real rockers, guys like you are cool and are into it as like literally amateur professional. I don't care. Clearly, you have a passion for that, but you have a passion for astronomy. I certainly do. Big time. Let's get back to that. Well, let's see. Let's see. What else? <laughs> well, you know, uh, a little back to the story of Branch Stoke. Uh, Brett Bowler, close friend of mine, uh, uh, manages the radiology department and friend. And I, years and years ago, had hatched this idea that we wanted to be part of the modern wave of guys that would remote control a telescope 
out in the middle of an, in a dark sky. Okay. So from within our homes, whether it's cold and we just don't want to go out, or whether it's just not as good a sky here in Lincoln as it could be, you know, 30 or 40 miles away. Yeah. So we hatched this idea of a small little observatory that would robotically roll off its roof and do all these things. And then Matt and uh, Michael came and made a presentation about a new observatory they were building. And Brett and I looked at each other and said, you know, we're going to build this thing now on their site. Because if you're going to build a bunch of expensive stuff out in a cornfield, how do you secure it? Right. How does it get networking? How does it do the things it needs? So here they provided a potential way to do that. And of course, from that moment forward, it just got bigger and bigger. <laughs> and by the time we were done designing, it was it was originally going to be like a shed. And now it's a 12-foot by 24-foot building with a 16-foot roof that rolls off and has four large telescopes in it. So it really scaled up because we had the space. And then we were inspired. These guys were Well, you great. had the vision, too, and yeah. you had the partnerships. And it just kept... We didn't have any reason to keep it scaled down. It's like, right. any reason why we couldn't put four in there? Brett said, no. Why I not? I love it. I love it. You guys took a passion, and you just ran with it. I mean, and, and obviously, it's been giving back to the community, which is pretty cool. Um, holy cow. Um, let's go back to um, Starlink, which is a question that one of the uh, texters, uh, John, has brought up. When might be seen Starlink again in our area? Well, we've been seeing Starlink uh, launches or the satellites as they're staggered from launch. Uh, I would say about once every other occurrence out at uh, Branch Stoke when we're out there, I'm seeing it either every time we're out there now or about every other time. I don't currently know Elon's launch schedule, but the way to find out if they're visible... Well, John says he's launching another batch on the 28th. And you know what? We should back up because not everybody in the audience may know what Starlink oh, is you know, through Elon Musk, who um, you know, is the world's richest man, and he's big time into space. But yeah, Starlink, I'll just say, is a... You guys correct me, but the broad thing is it is a small group of satellites, communication satellites. Yeah. Very small, though, compared to the big U.S. military size of a bus. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they are very small. Um, I've heard several estimates of size. I'm not the one that knows the actual size. But the idea is they're going to form a complete grid. You would be in line of sight with one at every moment in time. So literally anywhere on the planet you could look up and you'd have line of sight with one of these. And it provides cell phone service for mm -hmm. those that don't know. So this is Elon Musk's uh, version of a global-wide cell phone service, and thus far, it's spectacularly successful. And yeah. they launch them in batches, and they can group together to form that grid you're talking about. When they first launch them, they're bunched up as they're kind of dropped like little pellets, like you're planting seeds in mm -hmm. the in the cornfield or something. So they're dropped out, and then they slowly space out. They've got some ability to maneuver into their correct orbit. But for the first few days, so he's uh, our uh, uh, texter gave us some information. We're going to get a launch on the 28th, which means about a day to two days later, we'll be able to see them. Now, they don't have any illumination. There's no reason to see them other than reflected sunlight from, sure. from their apparatus on board. So... The last time we saw Starlink, they were so close together, they literally formed this probably fist-long or two-fist-long straight white line. It was the one of the most stunning things. If you see this, you'll probably think you saw some alien craft yeah. or something. It is really strange to see. Then over the next few days, they'll, they'll spread out. And if you get lucky, because I saw this in Phoenix, 
you'll see a little chain of pearls, oh, and they'll be kind of moving down in a little, almost like a little train yeah. of pearls. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, let me close real yeah, quick. please. Though. There is a site. Well, I don't want you to close, there, but go there, ahead. <laughs> for this topic, there's a site to find out when the next viewing is, because we're terribly sporadic about getting our information out. There's a guy that did all the geometry, calculates all of the angle of sunlight reflections from everything that's in orbit, from the International Space Station to the Hubble Space Telescope. So this is the site to go to to find your International Space station flyovers and it'll show you an active view of all satellites currently moving around and the site is heavens-above.com okay heavens-above.com folks you'll, you'll have to give it your location because it needs to know where you're at to do the sure. calculation sure. but it is spot on and since you'll already be on the internet just type in my location and it'll give you either a lat long or a grid coordinate probably it's, lat long is what right. it needs and, and it might be hooked up to that but the minute you go in there it's got a link for iss passes a link for Starlinks, and you wow, go right there and see the cool. stuff yeah uh you mentioned it that people that see Starlink might think oh oh this is weird what are the two strangest things you guys have come across in the night sky where you were just kind of blown away? Um, well, uh, that. It is. Along the same veins, uh, iridium flares. Yes. Uh, uh, people might not recognize these. We had one just the other night. It happened so quickly, I didn't announce to anyone, but there were about six people around me in our observatory. And an iridium flare is iridium satellites or at least Iridium is a name of a satellite in this sense, and uh, it's a military grid that's intended to give you really high-quality military uh, conversation. I think it's fully still in operation, but there's a lot of satellites still up there, and they have such a high-reflective solar panel that when they rotate and steer a little bit, you'll get hit with a sun glint that can cast shadows. Wow. It's very bright, and you might think an alien spacecraft yeah. just took your photo or well, something. Well, so Iridium <laughs> satellites for us... In my time, 98 to 18, were always the last backup if everything else went down communication. They, they were flaky. And and we and it was so funny, you had to dial like 25 numbers depending on you know where and who you wanted to talk to. Wow. Um, but we always had a, a Iridium phone with us, and it literally was the last chance to huh. communicate. Um and I mean it it I don't know. It generally worked, I mean, but you would get a lot of broke-up comms. But, yeah, to your point, uh, large satellites, and uh, it's always nice to know when you're in that job, there's at least something last-ditch. Starlink really was initially struggling to uh, fight that reputation that Iridium had, because Iridium just really never had enough satellites. I mean, nobody was crazy enough like Elon to drop three or 4,000 satellites in a couple of months. So Well, uh, that's the thing. If you're using it for military operations and you're moving moving around the entire globe, you've got to have sat coverage where it sounds like what elon's done is stepped in and figured out a way to give mass coverage and move it around i mean because i heard about starlink with ukraine war we mentioned right. that off air um well let's keep going back uh what are you excited about coming up like i know the star party on september 24th but other uh other literally universe movements and things that come into view as we rotate through this solar system well you know right now i've got a quick synopsis uh, uh if you stepped out tonight Saturn's going to be high in the southeast right at dark. Okay. It's a soft kind of a milky yellow looking dot that'll be a little bit brighter than most other things around it in the southeast. About an hour later, about 9.30, Jupiter's going to rise. And by about 10 o'clock, Jupiter's going to be the flamingless, brightest thing in the sky. Starting, It'll start out straight east and then make an arc across the high south. 
and it's spectacular to even see naked eye and amazing to see That's in a telescope. Cool. And let's see, what else? Uh, you're not going to see the moon tonight, uh, or probably won't even see the moon now until about uh, August 30th. You'll see a new thin crescent maybe uh, first week of September. Uh, out tonight, summer triangle straight overhead. Mm-hmm. The stars Vega, Deneb, and Altair, they'll be really bright stars. Uh, sometimes you can only see about three stars in the sky in the mm-hmm. summer, and those will be it. Um, Hercules is overhead. Arcturus is a big bright star you'll see in the west. It's setting, probably set sometime around 10 or 10 or 11. Uh, constellations up tonight, Scorpius, Sagittarius, Virgo is setting. Um, this is a good season for the Big Dipper, because the Big Dipper uh, in the late summer or in the summer and and the fall is actually dipping it comes mm-hmm. down around the horizon down really close to the horizon it's what we call circumpolar it always travels in a big circle and and never technically sets but it'll come and skim the low horizon and actually act like a scoop coming back up in the early morning i've never heard that before that's right whereas in the winter right it's always winter and spring it's poised overhead and right. it would be emptying out anything yeah, that we're in it, yeah. but we're in it's the season now where it could actually scoop i've never really thought about yeah. it that way because i use it always as a reference point yep. um so yeah. you know you're gonna have to look either you know to the east or the west or low on the sky to find the big dipper it'll be high during the spring and winter and let's see what else is out there um we're going to have uh, a meteor shower October 9th. It's probably faint, but a pretty good one on October 22nd, the Orionids. And those are the uh, debris left over from Comet Halley. I'll be dang. I'll be dang. Well, folks, you should write that down or go back to the podcast. Download it on the app or go to KLN.com. Literally take notes on that. And my guess is, Brian, though, even that information for tonight, just means that they'll still just be adjusting as the days go on. If somebody we say was to listen to the podcast three right. days from now, they could still reference point some of those yeah. spots in the sky you're you're the mentioning. nice the nice thing about planets is they lurk around and you know Mercury has an eighty eight day orbit, so it's very fast. It's hard to catch Mercury. But Saturn with its thirty year orbit, it's gonna be in the same place in the sky for a whole season. Yeah. So you got a long time to see Saturn and Jupiter in its twelve year orbit is pretty slow moving. So for the next week to month or two, you're going to be able to see most of those things. Yeah. And um, if you imagine, I always give a little bit of celestial mechanics. If Please. you imagine there's 360 degrees in a circle, all right? Okay. In, in math, we Got divide it. circle Got up it. into yep, 360 yep. degrees. Yep, you're right. How many days in a year? Uh, 365. It's pretty close. So what happens is the whole sky moves just a little less than a degree every day. So if you want to know where your favorite thing is overhead tonight, in 30 days, it's going to move 30 30 degrees degrees to the west. There you go. There's your first celestial mechanics. Very good. Celestial mechanics. Do you teach? You Um, should teach. I I ad hoc teach astronomy. I'm not qualified like Michael Simpson, our CEO is, but I teach at Hyde Mm -hmm. Observatory, and I teach at Branch Oak, and I teach to youth and uh, mid-level people, and, and I'm... I'm just, you know. Well, you could teach us sailors because what we need is that. I love that. Like, the, I'll call it practical mechanics. Right. Yeah. The things we can remember. That's great. That's right. um, favorite constellation? Uh, mine is Sagittarius because uh, you view it in the summer and it quite possibly has some of the, the most interesting and highest density of deep space objects and for a valid reason it we're looking straight into the center of our milky way galaxy and sagittarius is literally teeming with cool stuff really matt uh aquila help help me aquila the eagle the eagle okay it's it's a real it's a real simple uh constellation uh easy to find and uh it's i just uh i love birds so that'd be i love it matt anderson branch oak observatory and uh brian still a big time passionate active amateur astronomer 1499.3 klin 
You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, Thursday, August 25th, we're going to finish up here with uh, Brian Seville. Give us some more highlights in astronomy. All right, first thing, don't forget, we have a great starbecue. It's an outdoor event happening on September 24th. The events start around 5 p.m. We will observe if it's clear that night, and it will be a blast, no doubt. Uh, there'll be International Observe the Moon Night on October 1st, and that's going to be a really great uh, uh, event. But what a lot of listeners may not know right now is there will be another massive, great American solar eclipse. Total solar eclipse, again, just like the one in 2017. Wow. It does not happen very often, but this time it's going to take a diagonal that starts over in California or or Baja, California, and will cut a diagonal almost just like an X from the other one that started Mm. in the other side of the country and leave in the New England area. And this is, uh, I forget what day it is, but it's the, in in, uh, So we're not going to have to go too far somewhere. You'll probably have to go to Texas because it came right through Nebraska, but this one's going to miss us. So we're going to have to travel to get into totality. Now, you're still going to get a partial eclipse. So stand right here. But if you want to get into totality, very few people have that many opportunities in a few short years to get into totality. So. Cool. That's well, that. Matt, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate Thanks, Jack. it. Yeah, totally appreciate it. Remember, folks, get out to Break the Curse. It's going on right now at Haymarket Park, 1620 The Zone, and Cal 1400 LNK. Today are putting it on. They want to break the curse for the Huskers and get them a winning season this year. Uh, that crew, Jack Mitchell and Caleb Henry, will be on at 7 p.m. out there. Uh, also, tomorrow, Drive Time Lincoln with at Doug Fitzgerald, the Doug Fitzgerald. Mr. Calm and Cool. He's going to have uh, Amy Holman on from Nebraska F- uh, Pharmacists Association as well as uh, uh, Thaisa Brugeman, the Wellbeing Initiative. Remember, next week is Nebraska Drug Overdose Awareness Week. And so he's going to start it off tomorrow with those two. Let's have us a good Thursday. Be safe. And uh, Doug will see you tomorrow. 1499.3 KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln.